0: i guess uh it's, it all started about five or six years ago I think it was it was around thanksgiving i think two thousand two thousand fifteen I think I'd have to look back on Twitter. I'm not sure this was my fifth season so anyway um I was work at the time I was working for a tier three junior hockey team uh in the u s p h l and um I had just gotten back from, I studied abroad in Sweden, uh, about a year before I worked for this junior team. And that's kind of where I found Elite Prospects because it's a Swedish, it it originated in Sweden. Right. Um, And so when I was in Sweden, I was following a couple, a team while I was there and a couple of their players were from North America. And so when you look them up on, on Google in Sweden, the first thing that comes up is elite prospects. So that's kind of where I found it. And then I came back and I started working for this junior team. And I remembered this really cool website that I saw some of these players on. And I, uh, I, I kind of was like, I wonder if these, I wonder if some of these kids are on this website. Cause I I had no idea where any of these kids were coming from tier three, junior hockey. You just, you never quite know what you're going to get at that level. So I, um, I looked them up on Google and the team was on there, but the the stats on the website were, were way out of date on elite prospects. They were like, like a month and a half behind. They had, they had missed a ton of games. And so I sent a tweet to elite prospects, just kind of on a prayer. And, uh, they got back to me the next day. Like the tweet said, you know, Hey, I work for this team. I saw that the stats were a little out of date. Can I, can I do anything? Can I help? And, uh, Johan the the founder of elite prospects messaged me back the next day and like in under 24 hours I had I had like a login and a password to to start working on elite prospects so so that's kind of what I did Um, I started working in tier three junior hockey and and at the time that season um, we did not have any automatic stats updates it was literally manual data entry for everything every single stat so it was it was very time consuming just to keep up with one league um so like i took care of the usphl which which is it's a big league because they've got like you know u16 u18 they've got the premier the elite and now they've got like the ncdc And so they've got – they just had so many different teams that I – it was all I could do and during that season to update one league. And basically every, like, Monday I would go through and I would update all the stats from the weekend because most of the games were played over the weekend. Right. And so that was what I did for the first season that I was with Elite Prospects was I kind of took care of the league that the team I worked in was a part of. And then – as like the off season came up, I kind of, a bunch of the kids, so I live in Minnesota. I'm, I'm from Minnesota and the team that I was working with was in Minnesota and in Minnesota uh, high school hockey is kind of a big deal. And so a lot of these kids that we were getting on our tier three junior team had, had been cut from their high school team or, or maybe they were a little bit on the younger side and they were trying to, um, they didn't think they would get as much playing time on their, on their high school team. So they kind of came over to us. So I was curious where they came from. And so when, once I found out where some of these players were from, I was able to find their stats and I started adding their high school stats. Well, then that opened a whole other can of worms because when I joined elite prospects that season, junior hockey was not very up to date. Well, I soon found out that Minnesota high school hockey was really out of date. Um, at the time, I think there were like 152 boys, high school hockey teams in Minnesota, and um, maybe two or three of them had complete rosters, and the rest of them had nothing, like no data at all, and usually those two or three teams were the teams that had like the the really high prospects that were probably going to get drafted after their senior year, and so of course, I, I'm pretty sure I have some form of uh, undiagnosed OCD, so I saw all these holes and information and I had to fill it. Like it's, I just had to do it. That's part of who I am, I guess. Right. And so, so I started, uh, I guess that off season, once hockey was done around like February or March, I started the, the long journey of updating high school hockey stats onto Minnesota high school hockey stats onto elite prospects. And I'm, I'm not kidding you. It took me, it took me two years to get all of the boys high school hockey stats from Minnesota added to elite prospects going back to 2009. That's wild. <laughs> so like that was like the first two years. And I, and at, at, the time, so I'm a, I'm a volunteer for elite prospects and all of us basically are, we only have a couple of, of full-time employees and one or two part-time employees and at the time, all of our revenue at Elite Prospects was ad-based. Right. So just based on people visiting our site, that's the only revenue we had. So we couldn't afford to pay anybody. But now since I've been there over time, we've kind of grown and we've got EP Ringside, which is kind of like our, our content that we create. And then we've, we now have EP, EP Premium where you can subscribe and get access to, you know, advanced search features and you can create your own rosters and all sorts of other fun, uh, fun features that we've been adding. So we've, we've kind of grown in revenue ever since we introduced those two things. But, but, but at the time (laughs) there, there wasn't any money. So it was just kind of, you're, you're just doing this because you love it. And that's kind of what I've been doing. I, I just love doing what I've been doing and I've met a whole lot of a lot of cool people along the way. Yeah. Uh, but I never told yeah. I never <laughs> I never told anybody what I did. <laughs> I never told anybody that I worked for Elite Prospects because a couple of the other volunteers that had been there longer than I had, um, basically you you start hearing these horror stories, I guess, which I'm sure you've probably seen on Twitter. As as soon as people find out that you work with Elite Prospects or that you can edit some information on there then some of the crazies come out i guess right um so we've had some some stories recently that have have gone you know a little bit viral about the crazy people but we also had one you know for that i don't know if you saw the story about the goalie that uh sent us an email
1: yes i saw that
0: yeah (laughs) saying that he was had a mediocre career but he you know was there for the boys or something like that that was that was a really fun day when we uh we got that email. So so there's there's good and there's bad, but but so here I am like 3 years into my time with Elite Prospects and nobody except for my wife and and some of my, you know, closest friends knew that this is how I was basically spending all of my free time. Like all of my time after work um You know, when when most people are playing video games or or going out to the bars or something like that, I was sitting at a computer uh, entering in hockey stats. (laughs) Right. So it's, I don't know, it's just kind of my hobby. That's how I've always kind of looked at it. Some people, you know, some people knit. Some people, uh, you know, go to the bars. Some people play play video games. I update elite prospects. That's kind of what I like to do. Um, So, so it took me two years to do boys high school stats. And then as I was doing the boys high school stats, Minnesota high school hockey has a, has kind of a parallel website that covers girls high school hockey. And so now here I am, I'm all out of, I'm all out of data basically for boys. So it's the natural thing to do is move on to girls high school hockey, I guess. (laughs) And so I started working on girls high school hockey in Minnesota and that, there's only 120 teams or so for girls, as opposed to like 150 plus for boys. And so it took, and plus I had, you know, two or three years of experience on the on elite prospects under my belt. And so I, uh, I spent the next one season updating girls high school hockey in Minnesota back to 2009. So that's kind of how I started getting into girls hockey and following Like when I create these, these profiles and I I create the people on elite prospects, I've kind of, my fandom of hockey has changed from team based to now I kind of just follow players. I like, I like the players as opposed to the teams. Most of the time, I'm still a big Minnesota wild fan. Um, I went to Minnesota state in Mankato. So I'm a, I'm a Maverick uh, hockey fan. So, there are some teams that I definitely still have allegiances to, but for the most part, now I'm just following all these Minnesota players because I don't know, it's kind of cool. I made their elite prospects profile and now they're starting to get drafted. Some of these kids that I created back in like 2015, 2016, when they were bantam aged or whatever, now they're starting to get drafted in the NHL and it's kind of cool to see to see the progress that some of them have made. Yeah, so, I totally
1: got that there. There's something cool about that. I mean, I covered the OHL primarily. So, I mean, I've seen that too. I mean, it's, it's really, it says something about the work that you do and then the work that they do. And I in mean, the privilege to be able to see them.
0: For sure. Yeah.
1: So, so
0: that's kind of fun with the, with the guy's side and now with the, uh, with the girl's side, I've kind of helped out here and there. So as I've been working on these massive projects that have literally taken me years to finish, I've been helping out all over the place. I mean, you name it. I've, I've helped out with the NHL, the USHL, all of this is on elite prospects. Um, I've done some stuff with USA hockey. I've met, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten to know some USA hockey people and, And they've helped me out with getting some like birth dates and like updated rosters and all that kind of stuff. And, um, so I started adding like USA nationals and like selection camps for selecting the, the NTDP. I've added all of those stats and stuff on to elite prospects. And so as I've kind of, I've kind of branched out, I kind of I I noticed so there's all right so this is kind of my transition to women's hockey on elite prospects I like the, the volunteers you can see there's a list of volunteers on elite prospects website right um and and most of those volunteers focus like they've got a an interest like a a primary focus where they cert, they focus on you know the OHL or they focus on um NCAA Division One, NCAA Division Three, and usually it's just you know some super fan of that league um, that comes across elite prospects and sees um, you know how how interesting of a website it is and wants to get involved. They'll send an email, kind of like I did, and Johan will uh, will get back to him and you know kind of do a little interview and then basically that league is theirs. Like if nobody else has claimed that league, like that's their that's now their league and they are in charge of updating stats and rosters and heights and weights and shot like you know if they're left or right shot or you know where their hometown is and that's kind of their baby. And so Minnesota High School has has been my baby, but I've helped out with quite a few other things. Um I know I mentioned it before, but the first year, like I said, everything was manual updates. Um, Ever since that year, we've actually had automatic stats updates for most of our leagues. Um, So it's actually freed up a lot of time. So like with the USPHL, when I first started, I basically spent most of my time literally typing in numbers onto our system. Um, But now with our auto stats, we can basically... Uh, we can set up the rosters at the beginning of the season. We can link them to their stats page for their respective leagues. And then once they're linked, we can set a time of day, like 1 AM, 2 AM or something like that. And every day at 1 AM or 2 AM, whatever time we set our um, elite prospects will pull stats from that league. So Basically, now, instead of having to update every single player for every single team for every league, you know, once a week, twice a week or whatever, we can just update it once a year and then we just kind of have to babysit it, which has freed up a lot of free time. So now the time that I would usually spend updating one league, I can basically kind of babysit four or five different leagues and so it's allowed me to kind of branch out from Minnesota high school hockey, which is kind of my, my comfort zone, I guess. And with the white caps coming to Minnesota, um, I, I definitely got an even, I, I started liking women's hockey even more because now I had a professional team. Uh, and so some, and some of these, you know, girls accounts that I created for girls high school hockey in Minnesota, some of these girls were, we're playing for the Whitecaps. So right. I- I've kind of realized that, but there wasn't there was ever really one person covering women's hockey. It was always kind of like three or four of us kind of pitching in after we kind of took care of our primary duties. And so while our coverage was good, I guess, I mean, I would say that our coverage is is the best of any database for women's hockey that I'm aware of. But it, but it could be better, I think, is what I've been thinking for the last year or so, because when you have four different people working on mostly the same things, but it's not really the primary focus, it's kind of the secondary focus, then all four of those people might do things a little bit differently. And so then some things get done twice some things get missed Some things, like basically things can slip through the cracks and there can be duplication of work and it's not very efficient. And so essentially I decided the, I, I decided I don't know, about halfway through this season that I was going to kind of shift my focus from high school hockey in Minnesota to just women's hockey in the U S because I think they deserve it. Um, I think it's a, it's a really, it's a really fun. um, It's a really fun product that I, I think people are, people that haven't seen it are stuck in the past. I hear a lot of times that it's slow, or it's not, it's not, um, it's not competitive, or it's not, it's not physical enough. and, And like, if you watch any of these national games from, you know, USA versus Canada, you're going to see that's not true. (laughs) Um, And, you know, the NWHL has had some great games too. And, And, you know, I know I was, I know when the CWHL folded, it was big, big news. But at the time, women's hockey wasn't really my primary focus. So I knew it was a big deal, but I hadn't really been following the CWHL. But I know I've seen some, I've watched some of their games back, and I've seen how, you know, how good the the product is, and I think a lot of people just need to start watching it and paying more attention to it because, and and it's just going to keep growing, which we saw today. Right, and that's I mean, the news today about the
1: right. So that's where I'll jump in here about well when when you look at the growth of women's hockey now i mean there's two different ways of doing it as we're seeing with the PWHPA and then WHL so first of all i guess right. we'll start off uh how did you become a fan of the Minnesota Whitecaps um was that there was that a direct, a direct tie from the young girls who were making their way up from like the Gophers per se to the Whitecaps kind of i mean i it's
0: it's a kind of a similar story to, uh, like, there wasn't professional men's hockey in Minnesota either until the Wild came. Like, the, the North Stars were there, but that was kind of before I was a, a hockey fan. And then, like, when I was growing up, there wasn't any NHL team in Minnesota. And then 2000, um, the Wild came. And so, you know, hey, there's there's hockey in town. Now Now I've got a team, you know. I, and I know that, you know, we didn't lose a team here in Minnesota, but we did gain – the Whitecaps and when the Whitecaps um, basically made, they, they've been around the Whitecaps have been around before they joined the NWHL, but they weren't, they were independent. You know, they were playing exposition games against college teams and, and basically playing all sorts of games to try and, uh, you know, stay up with, with, stay up with the game. And so they were around and I knew about them because I've been working with elite prospects and I had been working with, with uh with girls hockey with youth girls hockey and i knew that they had like the a u19 team and so they had some they had a foothold in minnesota and i mean winnie winnie broat is like an icon in in my opinion in minnesota she she definitely should be for all of of hockey and she has um OS hockey here in Minnesota that that basically develops a lot of our really high end um, girls hockey prospects. A lot of the girls that go D1 from Minnesota go through OS and it was just kind of. I knew about her and I knew about the Whitecaps because some some girls will take a gap year before going to. um, To their college or whatever to D1. And a lot of them were taking that gap year and playing with the Whitecaps. And so that I, I knew it was there. And then when they signed with the NWHL, that was just kind of a, all right, like now we've got a professional product and they, they have a home. I guess that's kind of how I felt about that is that the Whitecaps now have a home. They're no longer an independent kind of playing whoever here and there, whoever they can find for whatever weekend They now have a home and a league and they're playing against other, you know, similarly minded women, I guess, in competition. And so I, that was kind of the moment where I was like, all right, let's, let's go. (laughs) Let's start, let's, let's really start, you know, putting my money where I, where my mouth is and let's go to a couple of games. And, and I, and of course I also have a three-year-old daughter um, and I, I don't want to force her to play hockey, but I love hockey so much that I, I hope she ends up, you know, enjoying it. And and the Whitecaps games are great, especially the, like the Sunday games that are at like one, eight, 1 o'clock or 3 o'clock or whatever. You know, it's not after nap time. Sometimes the Saturday, Saturday games are at like 7 o'clock. So right. my, my daughter usually goes to bed at like 8, so I don't want to push that. Otherwise you're going to have a weepy child. Yeah. <laughs> so like those, those afternoon games are pretty perfect. And, and she can, uh, my daughter loves Cappy. Like she's a, a big Minnesota Cappy fan. Um, We've got a picture of Cappy that's, that's on my wife's phone and my, my daughter will flip through the phone and she'll ask, where's Cappy? And it's, it's adorable.
1: Yeah. That's, that's adorable. Really funny. So
0: it's, it's a it's a good it's a great team it's a great community Minnesota is perfect for like the when when the NWHL expanded like Minnesota I felt like was a no-brainer cuz we have the best like girls youth hockey numbers in the entire US so and honestly I kind of feel like Toronto's a no-brainer too because it's just such a like it's not just Toronto I've never been there but it's not just Toronto it's the whole Toronto area and when the CWHL folded all of a sudden there's no professional women's hockey that I'm aware of in, Tur- in the area and there's got to be a great market for it so I'm sure it's going to do just fine and I like the way that the NWHL has kind of slowly and methodically expanded. I I didn't think that they would expand this soon but uh but I'm sure it'll do great.
1: Right. And I mean and just, I I'm, I'm excited for
0: it ways. to continue growing.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that this is that this could go in one of two ways. It could absolutely keep growing, which is what they're ultimately trying to do with the Toronto expansion now that they've actually got a reality with the coach and recruits uh you know right. starting the form but I mean originally when I saw this news say I thought oh god this is going to become a mess but then I spoke with another colleague, <laughs> and you know what? This could this could do just just the right thing and kind of form right. a professional dream. And is it the way that they want it to happen? I'm sure it's not, but um, it might it might end up being just just what they need. So, right? It's I, it's crazy. I,
0: I mean, in all honesty, sometimes when I hear almost every time I hear some sort of women's hockey news. I, I, I get nervous. I, I don't know. Too. I don't know how else to explain it. I don't know. Like, oh man, is this going to be good? Is this going to be bad? Um, I just, I want so badly for it to, to continue to grow that I don't want anything bad to happen to it. And I know that there's been some, some bad blood. Yes. Bad blood. To <laughs> take the and, 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 you know, some things, some things have been said, uh, and I just, I just want it to get past that point, and I want it to get to, uh, to a good place. Of course, I want, you know, I want them to be paid equally. Uh, I think they deserve it. the The soccer team, the women's soccer team, of course, and and hockey players too. I, I have, I don't know. I have all the respect in the world for the way that that Danny Ryland is going about growing the nwhl i feel like it's i'm kind of a i feel like i feel like it's a a methodical and a. just kind of a, a hard working nose to the grindstone approach to growing the game if that makes any Absolutely. sense like she's she's just doing it She's, that's that's the and 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 i'm and obviously we we that are involved in in women's hockey know that it hasn't come with some some setbacks i mean absolutely and i think that this this COVID 19 i i'm nervous that this is going to be a setback too so i well they're
1: certainly not letting it now but i mean there are other ways that absolutely it could be and i mean it set back the whole world so i'm mean, and, I know. Yeah, I say I, I I see know. the worry there, and uh, the, I was I, I mean I thought the same with the PWHPA, and I mean having known a lot of the people who've started it, aside from Jaina, I mean it's it's hard to see anyone set back from this, but especially those who are who already were struggling as it is, have to struggle more with this.
0: Right. Right, and they're like all their momentum, they it was all based around like the the barnstorming sort of thing with uh, with setting up the weekends and and getting fans in the seats and and having that stuff and and they can't do that
1: because we can't have any gatherings right now so like their momentum is just done it's it's so hard so this affected the world championships as you know in nova scotia and oh yeah gosh that's right yeah whereas they were discussing no fans it ended up being no games and i mean it sucks right
0: (laughs) there's no better way to put it. it you're right it sucks Oh, and so like I'm so excited that, that you know on one side of the spectrum I'm so excited because I feel like I feel like the the women's game has grown so much over the last like four eight years or so, uh, but at the same time it's it's scary, man. It's, it's scary. very
1: scary. I mean, the PWHPA they were set to send out a team to to Tokyo, Japan to run a hockey clinic for a week. Oh, that's that didn't right, end up happening yeah, because they too. were worried about. Obviously, the spread of COVID 19. And then when Team Japan asked if they could come in a week early to avoid uh, mandatory quarantine in their own country, uh, Hockey Canada and mm-hmm. the IHF discussed it. And ultimately, the answer was no, for which is for not, not just the safety of those in Nova Scotia, but really for Canada wide because right. of the, because the way this thing is spreading. So it's just, it's so scary and so unfortunate.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and, but at at the same time, like to go back to the NWHL, like they're probably sitting in one of the better spots as far as actually being able to finish their season. Um, I mean, they've only got one game. There's only one game left. So, I mean, the odds of them actually being able to finish this season and, and moving on to the next with fairly minimal impact is, is probably better than, than a lot of the
1: bigger, a lot of the men's professional leagues, yeah, you know. They are in a very good so, position when you look at it from that angle. That is one hundred percent true.
0: There's just a lot of uncertainty right now. I'd, I'd be I'd love to be on the fly on
1: the wall in in some some office. Oh yeah, so. I'd love to be, I'd love to see the interactions between Danny Ryland, and Chris Botta their PR guy and the rest of the uh, head coaches and or general managers who take on those meetings i mean because right now there's i'm sure they're discussing the ways in which they can make this happen um it surely wouldn't happen uh in new york but uh i mean i don't know what i don't know what's safest right now boston or minnesota but um
0: i would guess minnesota
1: um but at the same time until this uh this
0: we've got a stay at home order that's going on right now i think till the beginning of may or middle may I, I don't know that for sure but until that's lifted there's there's not anything that's going to happen yeah and so. they're not
1: i mean you guys aren't alone we've got a state of emergency that was extended from may 4th to may 12th here today so i mean it's a lot of unpredictability and i mean wh- when you're looking at And again, now we'll kind of drift out of Bowen's hockey to mainstream sports. NHL still has ways to go when they're trying to figure out, do we send our players to North Dakota to finish the season? Which to me was uh, (laughs) not the greatest idea because you're still, I mean, you're still putting players at risk having to travel to, to there and, or from, from there to go home. Um, that's right. one idea then another one i discussed with the colleague is bringing them to play in like two or three different arenas in toronto montreal but i mean yeah the risk is still there but um very controlled yeah. environments there's no right answer it's it's hard right i'm i'm glad that
0: i'm just uh <laughs> i'm glad that i just occasionally dabble in uh in my elite prospect stuff and i don't have to work in uh in some head office trying to figure this kind of stuff out. I I can't even imagine being a scheduler trying to, trying to put anything like that together to finish an NHL season or anything like that. It's just, it's going to be, it's going to be nuts. I can't
1: imagine (laughs) navigating such tricky waters right now like this. This is, I mean, again, it's something unprecedented. Like we've never seen before. SARS wasn't even this bad. So. Oh no, not even close. Like it just makes you wonder when will life return to normal? Because I mean, our prime minister Justin Trudeau says possibly not for a year, but everyone's got different outlooks. Because another report from earlier today said we're in a fairly good situation right now, where things are trending down enough that that could be sooner than a year. But who the truth is, who knows?
0: Right, and I feel like we we got to get a vaccine or something in place before
1: anything like that can happen. Right, and, that, um, and that's still not just weeks away but possibly months away I mean, there's so many being tested but are any of them actually working we don't know
0: exactly and you know if you rush those things too much you could get
1: side effects and nobody wants to deal with that right that could bring us right back to square one so yeah I mean yeah. Uh... It's awful the way that's uh, affecting professional sports. It really is. Tennis is shut down. Hockey's shut down. Everything is shut down. I could go. i could go on the list, but quite frankly, I see no need to. I mean, the NFL, the, the right. training camps are scheduled to start to start soon, and obviously they aren't. Um, however, I did see that golf is scheduled to start again middle of June, I believe. So there's some hope for this uh, reality of the world of sports. So right. esports are thriving right yeah, now. Yeah, esports. I mean. <laughs> Unfortunately for Canada, university of sport was shut down at the national tournament in uh, Halifax. So that, I mean, that was a problem there. But um, they're scheduled to get going late August. So the question is, will they be able to? Don't know. Right. And I mean, I don't, I don't know what it looks like for the NCAA and how uh, their training camp scheduling and all that works, but. Um, yeah there there's a lot of trouble that's going to be navigated through by all these organizations and teams it's going to be a real mess to get everything back on track but um obviously the right answer is we need to get life back on track and people have to stay
0: home we do right yep Yeah, a lot's going to be changing for this stuff
1: yeah absolutely i mean that and that goes from grocery stores opening again simple things like that before we even consider sports exactly but man we need our sports back we absolutely need our sports back and then we can see those numbers <laughs> that, that you input actually start to grow again yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah it's uh
0: i guess i'm, I'm kind of happy with the way that the nwhl is slowly rolling out these signings at least it kind of gives me something to look forward to most of the days
1: it's certainly a sign and of. and then color. uh
0: i like the uh the nwhl is doing like a music on music monday that's a fun little feature and a a cool way to get to know their their players a little bit more finding out what kind of music they, they like and yeah uh, it's a good way to get fans interacting yeah,
1: it distracts you from kind of the reality of this right now um, and then <laughs> So their social team is oh, doing well. Absolutely doing well, and they're doing well with players. If you, I mean, Lisa Chesson returned from the PWHPA, and as yeah. and that's just one of many, again, with Kendall Cornine signing with the Riveters, and, I mean, tonight, Marissa Injimi, who was with the Boston Herald until last week, saying uh, just a little while ago, at the end of the NWHL season, at least three players have left the PWHPA for the NWHL. So I believe one of those is Lisa Chesson. Yeah. And the other two are for the Toronto team, which will be named at the end of the month when the when the league decides to announce their plans, whenever that may be. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, there's there's a lot to look forward to. At least this gives us some hope. So we just have to uh, remain positive. Um, but sport will be back. Mm-hmm. That being said, you've been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time <laughs> to do this tonight
0: yeah, no problem. Thanks for, thanks for letting me talk about elite prospects. And, you know, if anybody wants to ask me any questions, I would say I'm, I'm most active on Twitter at Bono's hockey. Um, I will, I'm an open book. I will answer any question. Uh, I just would prefer the, uh, the crazy hockey parents and crazy hockey players to stay away. But you know, like 95% of, of the people that talk to me are pretty normal. So, I welcome any sort of interaction because most of the time I'm just hanging out, looking at a computer screen.
1: <laughs> yeah, and a lot of, a lot of uh, the writers on my writing staff, including myself, usually prospects. So uh, that there's definitely going to be a lot of uh, eyes and ears open to this. So thank you again for joining and for being so open to talk about this. No problem.
0: I look forward to hearing from you again. And to you.
1: Have a good night.